We stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, with which I have offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and truly repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a person Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, who heartily repent of your sins, believe on Jesus Christ, and sincerely and earnestly purpose by the assistance of God, the Holy Ghost, henceforth to amend your sinful lives. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The introit. All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee, O God. They shall sing to thy name, O thou most highest. Make the joyful noise unto God, O hands. Sing forth the honor of his name, Make his praise glorious. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. shall sing unto thee, O God. They shall sing to thy name, O thou most highest. Lord, have mercy. 
Almighty and everlasting God, who dost govern all things in heaven and earth, mercifully, bear, mercifully hear the supplications of thy people, and grant us thy peace all the days of our life, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is from the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. From your brethren, him you shall hear. According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Here ends the reading. The epistle is from the twelfth chapter. Of Romans. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Here ends the epistle. This word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. 
This, beginning of signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Here ends the gospel. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen.
stand? Our sermon text is from St. John, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. This is our text. We pray. We thank thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, that thou didst hallow and adorn the holy estate of matrimony by thy presence. And we humbly beseech thee that thou wouldst continually preserve and bless this holy ordinance. Protect us from impurity and offenses, and evermore dwell in all Christian homes, relieving all their necessities in thine own good time. O thou, true God and faithful friend of men, who, having power over all things, livest and reignest, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not long ago, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens were opened, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit to begin his three-year ministry. Jesus, since then, has been calling apostles so that they might be eyewitnesses of his miracles and be taught the truth of God's word. At this point, he has about six disciples who are following him. And now, well, before things even get going, Jesus takes some time off to go to a wedding. We don't get through the second chapter of John And Jesus is interrupting his ministry. Furthermore, Jesus is bringing his disciples with him. Is Jesus a slacker who can't stay on task? Should this account call into question Jesus' sincerity as he goes about being our our Savior? On the contrary, we learn from this account That the man, Jesus Christ, is true God who took on human flesh because of his great sympathy and compassion for his people. Today we learn that Jesus truly does love his people. So let's put this story in its context and see what we find. First of all, we were made in the image of God. We were placed into a perfect creation designed for us. Adam was to enjoy paradise as he took care of the Garden of Eden. The man and woman were married by God to live in perfect harmony with each other in that paradise. She was his perfect helpmate. The father walked with them and talked with them. God and man enjoyed close fellowship. But then, with the fall into sin, that perfect union and fellowship was, well, fractured. They lost original righteousness, which is the image of God. They lost an understanding of spiritual things. They became... Sinners. It is painfully embarrassing to watch as they sow fig leaves for clothing, as they run and hide from the Father, the Creator of the universe. Their lies 
and excuses show that their show their newfound sinfulness. The consequences for their actions are pain and trouble. Pain and trouble as Adam is to work and in childbearing for Eve. And we watch in horror as they are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Second, our Lord Jesus does have great sympathy for mankind. Sympathy is that feeling of sorrow or pity over the distress of another. And we learn from the Holy Scriptures that the Son of God saw our distress and he determined to save us. Oh, it was wholly our fault and we deserved every penalty. Nevertheless, his sympathy moved him to leave his heavenly throne, to put upon himself our human nature. Oh, he saw our distress and he had sympathy. There's no merit which any of us can claim in our salvation. Romans 5.8 says it this way, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His sympathy moved him to lovingly act. He saw our sinfulness. He saw the resulting punishment of death, our bondage to the devil. And his purpose was to restore, restore us to a righteousness that we would receive by faith in Christ. He sought to rescue us from that terrible end of all sinfulness that is temporal and eternal death. He desired to rebuild in us that image which we had lost. He restored our relationship with God. He defeated the devil and broke us free from the bondage of the devil's terrible lies and slander. And I tell you of those lies and slander, that is the first disinformation campaign. Speaking of those lies... We must now address the devil's lies and his disinformation concerning our loving Lord. The devil would teach us that God desires to reduce our happiness. You see, in the Garden of Eden, he told Adam and Eve that God was holding back the good things from us. He said, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will become like God, knowing good and evil. I tell you, it was a lie. Their eyes were not open to anything good. They did not become like God. No, not at all. They became like the devil himself. Everything which they received from their sins was to cause them pain and harm. The devil tells you the same thing. He gets you to think that Whatever you have is not enough. Look over there, he says. The grass is always greener in your neighbor's yard. You must covet that which belongs to your neighbor. Your happiness, it's, it's, it's over there. What God has given to your neighbor, that's what you need. And he gets you to think that stolen goods taste sweeter. More than that, he gets you to think that forbidden fruit, ah, 
Forbidden fruit, that is better. If God says for you, don't do that thing, well, you ought to do it. Because he's holding back. If God says to you, don't do it, do it. If he says, do it, by all means, don't. You need to have your eyes opened to whatever is forbidden. God is holding back the good stuff from you. Your neighbor's spouse, that's where you'll find happiness. Marriage, it's much too restrictive. It limits your encounters and it needs to be corrected. Or if you must, if, I guess if you must, you, you can still be married, but, but without pledges of fidelity. Yeah, you don't need that. At the very least, you ought to be able to broaden that definition of marriage. Let it include same-sex partners or, or multiple partners or whatever. And, and before you know it, not one word of marriage definition is left. A lifelong pledge of fidelity between a man and a woman for the procreation of ch- children. Not one definition, not one word of that definition remains when he gets done. Jesus begins his three-year ministry because of his great sympathy and compassion for his people. At the center of his work was his perfect life of keeping the law and his suffering and death to pay for our sins. But why did he do that? He wanted to rescue us from sin, from death, from the devil. And what what purpose would that be if he did that? To give us to give us forgiveness of sins, and not just that, but life, abundant life, and salvation. Today we learn that our Lord Jesus does truly love his people. God is not limiting our joy and happiness by his rules. No, our God knows that those things will only hurt and harm. They will reduce our joy. When our Lord was attending a wedding... It wasn't because he was taking off time from his work, as if his work was only preaching hell and morality rules, so that, well, you would have something, don't do something forbidden or fun. Our God, our God Jesus, he was not undisciplined, he wasn't lazy either. No, Jesus was not leaving behind his austere work of rules in order to let his head down, hair down. When our Jesus went to a wedding, to a celebration, he was doing his work. He was being the Savior, our God. He was showing us that God's pleasing life was the one that he had instituted in the Garden of Eden. He had instituted that married life even before the fall into sin. Jesus was pleased to bless that married life by his attendance along with his disciples. He desires that we rejoice, that we rejoice with those who would enter into this God-pleasing estate. You see, with marriage comes not a limiting, but an increasing of joy and happiness. The real truth is that it is the devil who would break up marriages. He wishes to remove the love and fidelity and joy which marriage gives. It is the devil who would lead a spouse to separate and run away and commit adultery. 
divorce, and immoral lives do not increase happiness. They destroy love and intimacy and joy. They cause the lives of children to be upended and unstable. It is the devil who would create jealousy. The devil turns men and women into uncontrollable animals. When Jesus questions the reason for Mary's request for help, it's not because he isn't sympathetic to their situation. There is a twofold reason for his questions. First of all, Jesus has begun his ministry and he is no longer simply the son of Mary. When he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? He is wanting Mary to understand that he has begun his ministry as the Savior. He is not bound to comply with her requests. He is now under greater orders from his heavenly Father to be the Savior of mankind. Second, Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. At this point, Jesus is in his state of humiliation. He is not fully and always making use of his abilities, that is, of his divine nature. The hour of which Jesus is speaking comes when he is lifted on the cross and draws all men to himself. You see, later on, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he will say to his disciples, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And once he has done that, made the final sacrifice, he will rise from the dead and he will be revealed to the world as the one who defeated sin and death. She already knows who he is. And she is ready to call upon him in every trouble. Even now, Jesus needs to let her know that that hour has not yet come. Mary understands. She understands completely. Having already presented her need to him, they have no more wine. She leaves both her motherly authority behind as well as her divine revealing request. She simply says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. In effect, she leaves it all up to him and says, thy will be done. And what do we see happens? When we come to Jesus asking for grace and mercy and without trying to bind him to our will, we see his sympathy and compassion. Jesus does, in fact, do a miracle that day. Now, this account presents us, teaches us about the great sympathy and compassion of our Lord for his people. What is quite surprising is that at first it doesn't look like that at all. It looks like uh, uh, that he is not going to Uh, that he's uncaring, that he doesn't desire to help. But that is not true. It is far from the truth. Our Jesus, you see, isn't required to help. He doesn't have to help. Well, as regards wedding planning, uh, those things. First and foremost, he cares about our eternal well-being. But his sympathy and compassion led him to take on human flesh and to die for your sins. You see... No matter what your situation is here, there will always be a blessed end. And so he's going to bring you to eternal joys. He's going to restore fellowship with God so that you will be at that heavenly marriage feast. All of that is right and good, and he is putting that forth. But I say, however, in this text, what do we see? 
that he not only cares about your rescue from death and eternal salvation, he cares about your present life and joy. Think about it. He created a paradise for Adam and Eve. Not so he could forbid them, but they would enjoy it. Without their fall into sin, they would have enjoyed it. He still wants to avert the distresses of this world. He continues to provide for you many good gifts. Many of these things remain. He gives you food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. I don't know why the wedding reception had a snafu. (laughs) Did the wedding coordinator not plan ahead? And could that have been Mary? Did a servant spill the wine barrel? Luther thinks that they were simply poor and just didn't have enough. But, But who knows? But even when our own sinfulness and wrong actions cause us, well, things that could cause distress or sorrow, our Lord has sympathy and compassion upon us. That is what we see, and this is the case with the wedding of Cana. Though his hour to defeat the devil and right this world's wrong had not yet come, he does want to help, and he does. Though Jesus was not yet ready for a public miracle, he somewhat quietly takes care of the problem. The master of the feast doesn't even know about this miracle. But when we get to the end of the text, we find out that the disciples and the servants who drew the water out, they know. But furthermore, the disciples believe in him. He is the sympathetic. He is the compassionate Lord, and that is what they know. Now, what do we hear? The master of the feast tells the bridegroom, you have kept the good wine until now. You see, the truth is that our God is not holding anything back. He wishes you to have the very best. He cares about your life here and now and Well, as well as in eternity with him. But there is no danger, no danger that you're missing out. He will provide for you the wine of this world and the good wine which is to come. He is providing for you now and when your blessed end comes, he will save for you that which is the best. The best is yet to come. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. The Offertory, page 18, we stand. Oh,
Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank Thee for all Thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of Thy dear Son and for the revelation of Thy will and grace. And we beseech Thee, so to implant Thy word in us, that in good and honest hearts we may keep it, and bring forth fruit by patient continuance in well-doing. Most heartily we beseech Thee, so to rule and govern Thy church universal, with all its pastors and ministers, that it may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word, whereby faith toward thee may be strengthened and charity increased in us toward all mankind. Grant also health and prosperity to all in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the Governor and Legislature of this Commonwealth, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for thy name and for thy truth's sake. Comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of thy fatherly will. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, Remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions, but out of thine unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul, preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause also the needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge and crown them with thy blessings. We ask your blessing upon our Bishop James, our pastors, Michael and Gary. We ask also your protection upon those in the armed forces, especially Jason and Blake, and our police officers, Daniel and Alex. Be with our shut-ins, Carolyn and Patty, as well as our elderly, Violet and Tom. Continue to keep safe uh, Susan and her unborn child, Be with our students, with Tom and Kara, Jonathan, Sarah, Sadie, and Alexis. Provide for the needs of Kevin and Levi, Larry and Deb, Christina, Jim and Charlotte, Denise, Melanie, Hal and Carolyn, Patty, and Anita. We give thanks to you for the recovery uh, after open heart surgery for Jerry, and we ask that you might uh, continue to Uh, nurse him to health. These and whatsoever other things thou would have us ask of thee, O God, 
Vouchsafe unto us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reign, reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Dearly beloved, for as much as we purpose to come to the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, it becometh us to diligently to examine ourselves, as St. Paul exhorteth us. For this holy sacrament hath been instituted for the special comfort and strengthening of those who humbly confess their sins and who hunger and thirst after righteousness. But if we thus examine ourselves, we shall find nothing in us but only sin and death, from which we can in no wise set ourselves free. Therefore, our Lord Jesus Christ hath had mercy upon us and hath taken upon himself our nature, that so he might fulfill for us the whole will and law of God, and for us and for our deliverance suffer death and all that we by our sins have deserved. And to the end, that we should the more confidently believe this and be strengthened by our faith and a cheerful obedience to his holy will, He hath instituted the holy sacrament of his supper in which he feedeth us with his body and giveth us to drink of his blood. Therefore, whoso eateth of this bread and drinketh of this cup, firmly believing the words of Christ, dwelleth in Christ and Christ in him and hath eternal life. We should also do this in remembrance of him, showing his death, that he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, And rendering unto him most hearty thanks for the same, take up our cross and follow him. And according to his commandment, love one another, even as he hath loved us. For we are all one bread and one body, even as we are all partakers of this one bread and drink of this one cup. Page 144 in the blue hymnal, the service of Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. right and salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. And now we praise you that you sent us your only begotten Son, And that in him being found in fashion as a man, you manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name. Evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of Jehovah, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the 
Lord of heaven and earth, we praise and thank you for having had mercy on those whom you created, sending your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
God the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled to serve you constantly. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.